there is nothing more courageous than allowing the world to see and to feel and to experience who you truly are. And that to me is worth pursuing because that is the most courageous act. And when you do that, you can only see people to the depth in which you allow them to see you. You don't just see the world differently, you see everything differently. But you've got to go first. You've got to go first. Welcome to the Stay Grounded Podcast. I'm your host, Raj Jana, founder of Liberate, and it's my mission to help you become the most grounded, loving, and authentic version of yourself that you can be. Each week, I interview experts in the fields of mindset, spirituality, and emotional well-being. My brilliant guests share their tools, stories, and unique perspectives to help you develop the skills you need to show up fully for the people and things that matter most in your life. Now let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded, the first episode of 2024. I hope you all had a beautiful wrap to 2023, no matter where you are in the world or who you're spending it with. I just hope that this year is beyond epic. And in order to kick off a beyond epic year, I was thinking about who might we have as the first guest of 2024. And I am so grateful and so excited for all of you to, um, for, for the first guest really to be Philip McKernan. Um, so backstory on Philip and how I came to uncover his work. Um, just as a background, Philip is one of the most, I would say, um, competent is not the right word because it doesn't feel like it captures the essence of who he is like. I would say he's just a master at what he does. And as a coach, like I really, really, really appreciate human beings that do the deep work themselves that are like living their own message that are, that are, that are embodying what they teach. And I don't know a person in the world that does that better than Philip. So I discovered Philip a few years ago when I was reading a book called the one last talk, which was written by Philip. And the entire concept of the book was if you were to die tomorrow, what is the talk you would deliver to a crowd? And it was all about really not talking about the superficial, like what is truly deeply yours to share in your heart? And can you share that today? And I just remembered the exercise being super confronting for me at the time. I read it back in 2018 and it triggered me because I didn't have, I wasn't living my life on purpose. I wasn't in the relationship that I wanted to be in. I wasn't, um, I didn't have that. There were deeper truths that I was like burying. And after I read that book, it just unearthed them and I couldn't unsee them after that. And I, I appreciated this conversation so much. One, because we go like Philip truly does actually embody this idea of what does it take to create a life that is in alignment with your deepest truth? What does it take to live a life where you are expressing your unique gifts? How do you really show up as the most authentic version of yourself? What is the, the, the purpose of self-discovery and this personal development work? How do we actually uncover who we are when there's so much noise in the world? And that's all stuff that we cover on this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I mean, I cannot think of a more powerful episode to kick off your year than this one with Philip, because, you know, if, if we can, at least for me, if I'm speaking from my own lens on how do we create the most grounded life, it is when we have nothing to run from. It's when we have nothing to fear. 
And when we go to those depths within ourselves, I think that's when we access true groundedness, true safety, true calm, true connectedness. It's when we can embody the courage to be with all that is within us, that then we can embody and truly live with the courage to experience any range of possibilities in life. And I just, I'm so grateful for all of you. Thank you so much for choosing to begin your year with me, with Philip and for giving us your time and attention. We don't take that for granted. And I hope this podcast gives you so much nourishment and excitement and energy to kick off just one of the most epic years of your life. So enjoy it. If you haven't already subscribed to the show on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you choose to watch or listen to the show. Um, and yeah, let me know how this podcast lands for you. Send me a message on on Instagram or wherever you choose to reach out to people, email, however it is. I just, I'm so grateful again for you being here and for you choosing to kick off your year with us. So without further ado, here is my main man, Mr. Phil McKernan. Enjoy. Yo, yo, what's up everyone? Welcome back. This week's very special episode of Stay Grounded with Mr. Philip McKernan. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's been I think it's time. good to be here. I think it's very good to be here, Philip. I've been looking <laughs> forward to this conversation for God knows how long. I feel like every single time I'm around you, you drop a deeper nugget into just like my own process, which is beautiful and illuminating. And um, I don't know if you knew this, but my first like sort of soiree into your work was reading One Last Talk. And um, I read it at a time where I was in a nine-year relationship that I was not supposed to be in, um, living a very different life, working on businesses that I didn't have a passion for, getting into partnerships that I was not really speaking my truth in. And your book was like a fucking sledgehammer to my uh to my worldview at the time and i'd love to maybe just set the frame of like what is it about the truth that has that sort of like sledgehammer property to it like like because I, I remembered when i just like when, when when you brought awareness to it it's almost like i couldn't unsee it and there mm. was this depth of feeling that I had around the truth that I, I didn't really even know to anchor into. So I'd love for maybe for you to speak to that. If you have any, like, Oh, like just a framing around that. Oh, I'm not sure of a framing, but I, I think that so many of us are so scared of the truth um, because it's, it's really the most naked thing that we have. I mean, it is, it is, we pair it back. It is like everything else is the clothing, everything else is the makeup, everything else is the hair gel, everything else is the costumes, the masks, the whole lot. And when you strip it back down, all there is is the truth, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we can get to it, but we can't manipulate the truth. We'll try. You can justify it away. We'll try. Um, you don't have to see it and we'll try. But when you see it, it is undeniable. It is undeniable. And I think the truth is the essence of who we are, how we have shown up in this world and how we're destined to continue to show up in this world. That is that is really a reflection of the truth. It's the purest form of reality. Um, and many of us would rather spend our lives dodging those things in, a, in some way, shape or form to protect ourselves. So the truth is, for many people, we say, oh, I'm a, a truth seeker. I want the truth. But I often have people I say to me, oh, no, just so, just so we're clear, before you open your mouth, you can take me on, challenge me. Like You can give me anything until, of course, I give them something they don't want to see. 
And then suddenly they get really angry with me and they forget that they just gave me full permission to kick the door open that was ajar. So the truth is just frightening for people. I don't think it needs to be because at the end of the day, you're going to face it. You're going to face it. It's it's an anecdotal story. Probably there's different versions of it, but the guy who goes to the hospital, his father's dying and the doctor comes out and he says, it's time. And the young man says, is he dying? And he goes, no, he's dying. Just not today. It's t- but it's time. And, and the guy looks at the doctor and says, time for what? He said, the conversation you probably should have had 20 years ago. So the inevitability, the truth is inevitable. It is absolutely inevitable. Think about the amount of energy that you, and I say with love and respect, and I, with love and respect, have spent fighting it, arguing with it, bullying it. It is probably, there's nothing more exhausting. The greatest workout on the world, the biggest mountain that you climb, there is nothing more exhausting than fighting the truth. And most of us have been conditioned to do it for so long, we don't even know we're doing it because it's been so normalized. Why do we, what is at the root of that conditioning? Like, at the, is it is it a fear of, 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 of death? Is it a fear of being seen? Is it a fear of feeling any level of feelings like what, what is it in, in your work and what you've seen just across the board is there a common sort of core root that sort of creates and fuels that denial of the truth in some ways it is like either a denial or a lens or a, like a, just a stay away from me um it's it's um, yeah it's because it's 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 interesting when you when you say it in this way like it is the most undeniable thing mm, like, well, even absolutely. in that example it is not like you can run from it. You just push it down the road. Yeah. So it's this, it's, there's this fallacy that's present in all of us. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's part of, you know, at least my work, I feel like over the last four years to change my relationship to the truth. But even now I have, like, I, there are things that I just don't know if I'm ready to see, if I'm ready to say. But at least I've gotten to a point where I'm acknowledging it within myself. I'm like, okay, like I'm not ready yet. It's there and it's present. But I'm curious if you could share it at least to to anyone listening, just like to the root, so that they can maybe bring that into awareness for themselves. I mean, I, I think at any given time, I think we need to be open to the fact, not even open. I think we need to actually admit that there's always things we're not just not ready to see. And I think the, the day we stop saying that and believing that is the day we become complacent and arrogant. I just think we need to accept the fact that there's always elements of ourselves that we're working hard, maybe less hard to see and to uncover. Um, I think some people would say that the ultimate fear is is some form of death or dying. But, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I know I've met people who'd rather die than be seen. Um, and and the, the the fear that's invoked uh, about being visible in the world is so so significant that they would rather die. I mean, it is it is massive. Raj, I had a group of people in town in Ireland here two weeks ago, and I often will put a word, which is obviously an energy, on the table. Um, back back to say money, I'd say, well, money. What's the one word that comes up that encapsulates how you feel, not think? about money, not aspirationally, how do you feel? And you'll get these amazing words like freedom, you'll get terror, you'll get uh, love, you'll get hate, you'll get you'll get this mirage and this this mix of just potent, provocative words which represent the energy that sits behind them, which is fascinating. But I put this word of visibility 
<clears throat> I just explained it very quickly with this idea of being visible, more visible in the world. Um, and I just said, when I when I say the word visibility, what emerges for you? And every single person in the group, we've never had this before, had I would consider a heavy or a negative connotation with being visible, being seen in the world. Um, and a lot of it comes back to humiliation. They are just protecting themselves from a form of humiliation that in many cases they've never identified before or a broken heartedness that they've had that they're either evident that girl, that guy broke my heart. But there's a broken heartedness of not being seen when you were young, not being heard when you were young, that we have carried for so long that they're so determined never to go back and feel those feelings that in some way, shape or form, they say, if I'm not seen. Therefore, I will never, ever, ever put myself in that situation again. And that not being seenness is a form of denial of truth. So it's a deep, deep, deep form of protection. Mm. Um, and when I sit, when people say to me, I don't know what I'm, I'm here to do, I will always gently or not so gently call mm. bullshit. I think every one of us know exactly what we're here to do. And I think if we can play with the idea that that's even possible, because confusion is a, is, a, is a way to escape. I'm just confused. And I get it. But who's creating the confusion? You. Who's addicted to the confusion? You. Why? Because you don't want to uncover the giftedness that you have. You don't want to unveil yourself to yourself, never mind the fucking world. Because if you fail in that capacity, there's nothing left. There's nothing but darkness. It's the greatest, darkest black hole, and there is no bottom. But the reality is actually the opposite. I was going to ask you about that because let's say let's play down that rabbit hole for a second. Let's say you uncover your greatest gifts and you don't actually live up to it or you don't actually – let's just play out the mind's greatest fear in that. What is the actual reality that sits on the other side of that? Death. Is it like a, a, a different type of death, like not a physical death. A, a death of the essence of who you are, the, the very spirit. And, and yeah, but it's like, exactly who you think you are because you cannot. I, I think I learned this from you. Like, like you cannot fail at what you are here to do. So no, if you no, uncover the possible. thing you think you're here to do and you fail yeah. at it or it doesn't work out, it wasn't who you thought you. It's it's like the idea of you is dying to unveil a deeper layer of truth. So. It's actually the gift. It's you know what I mean. Like it's like there's this, there's this cyclical nature to uncovering truth, and then realizing that's not truth, and yeah. then uncovering the deeper layer. And you just keep doing that, and enough times, you do at least. Or I don't know if I'm there right now in my life, but I think I, I I've gotten to a place where I've gotten comfortable recognizing that if something's dying there's just an, a rebirth that's on the other side. So maybe it is, it, it, I mean, is it is it the relationship to dying then? I guess like, I know we talked about being seen, but like as an overall construct, is that really the antidote to this entire problem? Is it to really shift our, our, our collective experience of dying and, and really change what we believe death to be? Absolutely. And embrace the hell out of it. You, you talk about getting to the other side or you mentioned something like that. And to me, it's like, you know, 
you know, I, I think there's a book, I don't, I'm not a big reader, um, but there's a book called The Second Mountain, and I don't mean to sound condescending or derogatory at all, but to me, the mountain we're on is not necessarily always the mountain for us. The one that we think we should be on is is often definitely, definitely not the mountain we should be on. It's the mountain that lies beyond both, because one is we get attached. So it's our level of attachment. And just going back to the point about if you uncover your gift and somebody rings me and says, I read your book, I did some work, or I worked with somebody else and I found my gift. And I lived it and it failed. And I go, okay, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. what do you mean it failed? Well, I didn't make a million dollars doing it. And I go, oh, no, 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 no. That was never, that was, that was never in the small print or any print for that matter. No one talked about commercializing it. You've put that layer of, expect, uh, of expectation and complexity onto this giftedness that you have. Um, but to me, it's, it's, it's about stepping stones on a river. Let's just use a corny cliche. It's like, you know, the next stepping stone, the next stepping stone, the next stepping stone. But we all have this, this idea, even though intellectually we'll say we don't, that when we get to the other side of the river, there is no other side of the river. I think the journey is just a consistent, regular, dying rebirth, dying rebirth. Call it a different thing. A, a series. I love this idea of a series of coming outs in the world. We think about coming out into the world as, as, as sexual orientation. But like, what, what is my coming out? That excites the shit out of me. Is my greatest work yet to come? Of course it is. It's not behind me. It's ahead of me. It has to be ahead of me. It has that the thing that keeps me alive. So what is my coming out? What's the next layer of coming outness for Philip McKernan that is, scares the shit out of me, that shakes my identity, that I worry about being seen and judged in that capacity? So to me, there is no destination. It's just a series of stepping stones on a river. And that's, to me, the journey. That is the journey. I have two questions for you, but I want you to touch on one thing before I dive into the, the second one. You, you mentioned giftedness. Can you describe what giftedness feels like? Like, what does that feel like when you're in your your gifts and and if you and remove the attachments? Like, I, I think that's really uh, speaking to that's important because I, I make this mistake myself a lot where I tend to pull on like, OK, like I've identified this gift. Let's find a way to create value in the world from it. But even that idea that because I have a gift, it must be shared is something that I'm navigating. Like, what if the gift is just meant for me to experience what it is, is like? What is the gift? And, and so maybe can you just speak to giftedness in general and like the nuances that are present in that word as it ties to yeah. how we're supposed to be? If I had to sum it up in one word, it's knowing. It's just a, a deep, deep sense of knowing that goes beyond even trust. Just a knowing, not an intellectual knowing, just an overwhelming, unified presence, which is to me is a knowing that this is what I'm meant to be doing. But it's not its not from me. One of my great, I don't have a lot of incredible, amazing things that I've stumbled into or stumbled upon or I am, or. but there's one or two things that I think I've either done or have been allowed to see or to be gifted, and I've, I've recognized it. One is that I don't believe my work is from me. My work comes through me. Mm. And I think that the gift is there's some semblance, there's some energy around that where our gifts are trying to come through us. Um, and 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 we often get in the way by either trying to make the gift about us or blocking the gift because we don't want to to receive it. So the gift is 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 a deep sense of knowing. It tends to be something that is almost intangible. 
it is the opposite of a talent, not maybe the opposite, but it's definitely removed from a talent, something that we are good at, something that we're applauded for, something that we've been rewarded for, that someone says we can monetize. A gift is something you have uncomfortableness with. A gift, in my opinion, is something that is almost feels burdensome on days. There's days you don't even want it. There's days that you regret finding it on and uncovering it, allowing it, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's one that you have to be very gentle and, and a good steward of. Otherwise, it vacates you and it moves away. A gift is nothing more than an energy. But I, what I have said, and I'll finish maybe with this, is that your greatest gift, in my personal humble opinion, lies right next to your deepest wound. So it's often in places that we have been the most hurt a gift can come from the ashes of that, which is our ability to either remove that hurt for other people, one or a million. It doesn't matter about scale. Gift should not coexist with scale. It can scale, but it doesn't have to scale. And people say to me all the time, why aren't you bigger? Why isn't you? Why doesn't everyone know your name and all that? I don't think I'm that important, but or, 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 it's just that's not important to me. It's never been important to me. I just keep doing my thing, keep doing my thing. I get amazing opportunities. I'm, I'm on the podcast to you in a different part of the world. I know God knows where you are. I'm sitting here looking at the ocean. I get to chat with you. We get to maybe shift somebody's perspective somewhere in Africa or New Zealand or Tasmania or down the road in Dublin. Who cares where it is as long as you know we're having a bit of fun, our intention is pure. But a giftedness, is it's, it's almost frustratingly intangible. Mm. And it's something that, and I'll, I keep saying I'm going to finish with this, but this is where I will stop. <laughs> we cannot and should not get attached to. It's just temporary. It evolves, it moves, it lives, it breathes, and it dies. Just like but we bodies. have to be good stewards. Just like yes. our bodies. Right. And that's coming back. And then to that gift, that gift leaves our body and it moves on to the next person that's hopefully ready to receive it. Mm. Mm. That's I love the the energetic tie to it because I think that does then allow it to be something that like as you shift and grow and change and as you release any energies from yourself and you create spaciousness, then gifts can find you. And I think there's something really fun about that too. It's light and it's playful and it's not as as attached to how it needs to be. Um yeah. I, I don't want to be crude, but imagine going, I wake up this morning or after this podcast, I go Right, I'm going down to the local pub. I've got to find a wife. I've got to find a husband, whatever, right? I think a lot of us are treating the gift the same thing. Imagine waking up in the morning and go, you know what? I'm comfortable enough in my own skin. I'm comfortable enough with myself that actually I don't need someone to journey this world with. If it happens and that person comes in and they elevate me and I elevate them, that'll be beautiful. That'll be stunning. So when I go down to the pub tonight, I'm going down for a drink and I'd love to connect with somebody. If I happen to meet somebody that there's more energy and more love or a greater connection, that's a bonus. And I think, I love what you said there. Imagine that there's tons of those people around in the world. There's not just one. And there's gifts flying at you and airplanes and flying at you with boats and flying past on the backs of pigeons. I know I'm being silly, they're, they're coming at you. Our job sure. is to slow down, to slow down, to slow down and to receive and to be courageous and to allow ourselves open those hearts that have shut and closed 
and knotted themselves together and we put padlocks on and we've locked them away and we have all the data to prove why we've done it and why we should have done it and all that other stuff and open our hearts and allow those gifts to land inside of us and then experiment like fuck with them. And it's experimentation. It's, it's, it gives the permission to actually let things die too. And, and I, and I think that's the thing, like when, when you feel the abundance of the, the, whether you want to call it the universe, God, higher power, whatever you, you, you connect to the energy of life. When you feel that there's just this, like there's a non-attachment, but then there's a strong intention and you're living mm-hmm. through life with that lens and that frame, and you're just allowing things to come to, then you can trust in the letting go. You can trust in the dying. Like, and I think you yeah. actually, I remember when we were in Boulder, I think you actually spoke to that. Uh, you, you, you spoke to how you had, you created this amazing like platform, this program. And you were, and you were like, I think at the time contemplating some level of a new death. And it was like, things yep. were great. Things were amazing, but you got the hit. And because you've, you've, you've embodied this frequency of, 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 of what you just spoke to, it's like you can lean in, even if it's uncomfortable with just a deeper knowing in, yep. in, in the benevolence of, of this, this whole thing. And now, I want to be really clear on one thing, though. You're absolutely right in your memory of that conversation. And I remember precisely where we were standing, where you were standing. I was standing here. You were standing there. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and, the, and the street, the edge was here. And, the, and the, not the edge from you, too, but the edge of the, the balcony. Yeah. And um, whatever that beautiful street is, uh, I can't remember. Pearl but street, anyway, Pearl Street. Uh, Pearl Street. And, and I was talking about an event that I've run for 14 years called Brave Soul. And the de- the details of which don't matter right now. But... For 14 years, I've ran it in a particular way. And because I say this with a fair degree of confidence, um, we've had such incredible feedback that it's almost like, well, why change it? Why you know, change it if it's not broken type of thing? But the work was needed to, to fall away and die and, and, and this new work. So I reinvented that event with, and I rewrote 80% of the content in real time as the event unfolded. And the event was the best it's ever been, not from because of me, it was because of the group and the way in which they received the conversation and the work. So the 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 ability to let things fall away and to wither is extraordinary. The best person on earth that does it fluently, naturally, every single year is nature. Mm, wow. Leaves just fall, are falling off the trees outside my door, literally. And nature doesn't fight it. It just does it automatically every single year. But oh no, we fight it. So I do not want to give the impression, and I'm sorry if I have, that I have mastered this ability. It took me 14 goddamn years to let that body of work die. So just be clear, I'm not immune to this. I think I'm a little bit more aware than I was 10 years ago. I'm a little bit more aware than I was a year or two ago. I hope I'm a little bit more aware until a couple of years, but I don't want to give your listeners this sense that I've mastered this and I'm mastering it every day because it's just not true. It, w- it would be grossly unfair to do that. So However, I, I'm, I'm doing my best. Well, no, I appreciate the, I, when I appreciate that and I, and I appreciate the grounding because I, I think what I'm, what I'm alluding to is the, I was inspired by that choice because it's a choice to listen. It's mm. a choice to be attuned. It's a choice to hear the call and act in that direction, even if it's going to risk everything and more. And it's a yeah. choice to trust. And I think there are certain qualities 
that you've developed within yourself that allowed that choice to be the one you made. So maybe if you could even speak to then, if you broke it down, like what are the qualities that you feel like you've learned to yeah. cultivate within yourself that lead to that choice being something that is not necessarily easier, but it is the path that you 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 inevitably take. Okay, well, I've got an interesting one for you. You and I haven't prepared, prepared this in advance. I'm literally, as of today, and as of the last couple of weeks, preparing a keynote that I've never done before, literally in real time, as in an hour before I came on here, um, I was sitting down at a whiteboard with my wife going through this keynote. And this keynote I've never done before. Uh, my intuition is telling me that I, my, my head is telling me I should have slides. My intuition is saying no. Um, and I want to, I want to craft a conversation that is unapologetic in nature. That's authentic and a great representation of what I believe and see in the world. And I believe what the world needs and it needs to be courageous. And I want it to be courageous. And I want to invite the, the audience to, to go on this, on this journey. What are the qualities that, that I'm fighting or using to get out of my own way? And I'll be honest with you, it's terrifying for me. Like, I'm terrified. I'm terrified. And I could burst into tears right now because of the privilege. And that's the burden. And the qualities, if there are some, and there's a few, there's not many, but there's a few qualities in there is, and I lose sight of these qualities. And this, the qualities are very simply, number one, and it's easy to say, but so difficult to live. It's not about me. This keynote is not about Philip McKernan. It's not about sales. It is not about bums and seats. It's not about using as an opportunity to fill our retreats. It is not about me. And every time I've ever done anything, whether it's run a retreat, one-to-one -one coaching, or, or, or running um, or standing in front of an audience, thousands or two, it doesn't matter. And that the about me piece comes in, the protection, the ego, the insecurity, I always fuck it up. Mm. Now, the audience yeah. may not know, but I always yeah. fuck it up every single yeah. time. I just don't show up as authentic and as free and as grounded. And I'm not sure I'm answering your question. The last thing I'll say on this is this keynote, you might want to unpack this and ask me some questions because I'm not sure I know the qualities. I don't, I don't know how to name the qualities because I'm too close to it. But I often start with a story. I always start with a story. That's my opener. I start with a story. And somebody said to me, is it just theatrical? Is it to get the attention? Is it like, what's the strategy? And I go... I'd never really thought about it. And I said, no, no, that story's for me. That story's for Philip. That's the one piece, the one thing I give myself every time. I open with a story that helps me connect emotionally. And when I do that, I'm the best I can possibly be for the audience. Oh, so much in that. And I and I do want to poke and prod because I think there's something really juicy and gold here. Um, one, I, if I think of qualities, I see them in you right now. I see courage. I see a, 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 a courage to die. Let's just put it that way, to let things die, to die. And there's, and I think that comes from repetition, from just doing it enough times and getting enough reps in and starting to see the, the aliveness that's on the other side of that. And there's the aliveness in the birthing as much as there's the terror and the dying, right? So I want to just name that. I'm also sensing a deep um, honoring of the privilege and connecting to that. And I think that piece right there like really connecting to the why behind the what which is mm -hmm. you know i think really what it is like it's like why are we why are you even doing this why are you allowing this thing to die even though it's maybe that's the question you know like when something has delivered such transformation so many times over and over again 
it's if i think about it from the frame of like that's guaranteed to create this life-changing transformation at that point why allow something to die what is the for for you what what is what is emerging in that what is the emergent truth in in that in that experience yeah. I know exactly what it is. It's a deeper conversation that is trying to come through me. There's a deeper, not better, just different, but definitely deeper conversation that's trying to come through me. That's a little less safe when I analyze it in my head. But it is nonetheless a deeper conversation that needs to happen in the world. And I think mm. it therefore will bring a deeper transformation in the world. Not better, just deeper. And I have this thing where I say, the deeper you go, the higher you fly. And I and I think we're afraid of depth. People often say, you know, I'd love to go and do some of your work, but I'm but I'm scared of it. And I go, because, you know, it's hard work. And I go, no, it's not hard work. I used to say, yeah, no, it's really hard work. And I used to own that. And again, I go, my work's not hard. I'll tell you what's hard. What's hard is not doing the work. Mm. That is really hard. That is arduously hard. That is painfully hard. You just have normalized the absence of truth or you've normalized. And and by the way, I want to be really careful with this idea of truth or not truth. And, and you've normalized the absence of truth. People then make that about integrity. I mean, oh, you're saying I'm lying? No, I don't say truth and lying. I just go uncovering, unveiling more of who you are. To me, that's the most courageous act on earth. Yeah. Somebody said to me recently, what is your definition of courage? And I said, I'm not sure I have a clean, clear one, but what I feel is there is nothing more courageous than allowing the world to see and to feel and to experience who you truly are. And that to me is worth pursuing because that is the most courageous act. And when you do that, you can only see people to the depth in which you allow them to see you. You don't just see the world differently. You see everything differently. But you've got to go first. You've got to go first. The greatest gift, one of the greatest gifts I've ever been given, Raj, ever. I haven't shared this for ages. I was asked to speak in a high school. So I did this work for free for years in a pub in Ireland, in a pub in Ireland. That's how you know it's a gift as well, or you've got your, you're playing in at least the sandbox of it because you don't even think about monetizing. And I remember doing this in a pub for years, and uh, at the end of it, there were six coach, coaching sessions, one-on-one. -on -one, and at the end of it, you wrote me a check or gave me cash. Um, but you had to nominate where it was going, a charity. And it went to a charity of your choice. If you didn't have one, then I give it to mine. Because I wanted to take the money energy away because I was messed up around money. And maybe still am to some extent. And I remember being asked to speak in some, some community center. And I went and the place was packed. There was six people. Um, and um, <laughs> I think one of the six was me. So I think my first audience was five people. And the arrogance, the arrogance. I walked out of the room when the guy said, listen, we'll start in five minutes. And I looked around. I don't know if he told me or I created the expectation that there was going to be 50 people. The arrogance, the disconnectedness, the lack of awareness, the, 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 the sense of privilege and, 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 and everything that I had. And I walked outside of the hallway just to myself. And I go, this is ridiculous. This is And yet there's five stunning human beings inside. And I caught myself finally. I said, what are you doing? Who do you think you are? Go back in there and give it your all. And I spoke to those five men and women as if I was standing in an auditorium with 10 
thousand people. I don't mean raising my voice and and you know or you know and, and, and expression, but I just mean in terms of depth and meaning and conviction. And I got a phone call from one of them. He happened to be the headmaster of a school. He said, I want you to come and speak to my students. And I said, great. I'm thinking business students again, that arrogance kicked in and this expectation. And I said, what's the, what's the students? And he said, it's a high school. And I had a horrible time in high school. And I said, not a chance. And he convinced me. And I went in and I'll fast forward the story. I'm standing in front of these amazing men and women. I felt this deep insecurity that I needed to impress them. And one guy said, he said, how much, how much money do you make? And I started talking about money and whatever. And then one guy says, uh, what college do you go to? Like, what university do you go to? And because I failed pretty much every exam, I couldn't because of my dyslexia. And I was just about to give the bullshit line. But again, when I say bullshit, I don't mean that in judgmental. I just mean bullshit as in the, the line I'd used. Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't go to college. I wanted to be an entrepreneur as if it was a choice. Not going to college was devastating for me that I couldn't go. It was too stupid in my mind at that time. All my friends went off and I was alone. And I mean alone. I was alone everywhere. And then that was the final straw of aloneness that almost broke me. And I looked at this young man, he's about 14, 15 years old. And I just said to him, I just couldn't lie to him. I just couldn't lie to this soul, these beautiful eyes, the innocence. And I was just about to come out of my mouth that I didn't go to college because of whatever. And I just looked at him and I said, I said, I, I didn't go to college because I couldn't. I just couldn't. I was dyslexic and I had so much shame about that. And I expected him to snigger and laugh because I was used to that. And he just, like he almost pulled off his shirt, pulled his chest open, almost, and ripped his heart open and let me see the inside of it. He looked at me with just an acceptance and a love that no one had ever, ever, ever given me. And that was the first time I remember ever being confronted and having the opportunity to share my truth. And that young man probably has no idea what he gave me. It's, uh... He saw me and he felt me and he accepted me 100%. What I'm really connecting to right now is just the deep medicine that comes from following your gifts. Like, just that. Even in both of those stories, the medicine in it of you being unveiled all the aspects of you that are not you only to be shown through the benevolence of that young man's gaze, the truth of you to be seen and held and appreciated and adored just for the, the nakedness and mm -hmm. to, to experience the intimacy in that with yourself yeah. is, is, is the gift. And I, and I, and I would really feel like, I think that's ultimately what, pursuing this this path i think is it's about creating more intimacy with ourselves and as we go down that path we do uncover things that we are afraid of and ashamed of and things that we store away in the box and don't want to show anybody and 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 i do feel like these these energetic gifts or what do we want to call them they find us in perfect ways to unearth everything 
Mm. And and maybe that's the purpose of life. I don't know. I don't know what the purpose of life is. I, I I'm living every day, but maybe to unveil is the is the path. It is is the only path, and unveiling it to truth is ultimately the the kindest thing we can do for the world and ourselves. It's, uh, Agreed. Agreed. I love that story, man. That's um. Do you speak at high schools anymore? Do you ever go back and do any, any? I haven't. And I would, if anyone's ever interested in ever, ever speaking, yeah. just intuitively, whether they're scared of it or not, I would encourage every single one of your listeners now and in the future forever to find at least one opportunity to go in and speak to a high school. I did in and, 2018. Yeah. And it was... Uh, it was actually the high school where it's interesting. Actually, actually, whoa, I'm having a full circle moment right now. This is after I read one last talk. Um, and I found myself in a high school and the high school, <laughs> this is a, this is a fucking wow. Okay. Hold on. I got to tell you this story. This is, this is insane. So this was the high school where I played my last ever tennis match. And I remembered that moment being one of the most devastating moments because I used to have crippling like anxiety on the tennis court whenever it would be like a match that I had to play that would get me into like any type of college. And in practice, in the matches that didn't matter, I was one of the best in the best in the state. And then in those moments where I had to show up, I just had this crippling anxiety, like I'd forget how to play. And which then led to Deer Park High School last regional tennis match being the last time I ever played competitively. And I remembered leaving that match because I lost the match and I went into the bathroom of that high school and I bawled my eyes out and I was brought in to speak at this high school. My old tennis coach was, was at now coaching at that high school and he brought me in and he wanted me to speak about entrepreneurship and he wanted me to oh, speak about God being successful and inspiring these kids and telling them about going from employee to entrepreneur and da, 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 like all these things. So I came in prepared with this whole talk. I had this whole thing I was getting ready to say. And I come into the auditorium and all these kids, they're like, just being kids. They're like, you know, 14 to like 16, just, just these like really, they don't want to be there. They're, 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 they're just there because they're forced to be. And I'm looking around. And I remembered crying before I went on stage because I could feel the energy of what I had done when I was in that high school last. Wow. And I literally looked at everybody. My dad's sitting in the front row. And we're all just, I'm, I'm like about to start speaking. And then in that moment, I, I, I literally dropped in. I was like, you know, guys, I had this whole talk planned. To be honest, like, I can't give that talk right now. Because the only thing I want to talk about is the fact that the last time I was in this high school, I was in a bathroom pulling my eyes out because I thought I was a failure. And the entire room just stopped. And it was like a stillness in the room that I had never experienced. My dad was looking at me through. He's like, what is he? About to do? <laughs> it was... And I gave the talk and I, the entire, the, the channeled talk was about trusting that, you know, that door closed, which then led me to my college 
which then led me to starting my fraternity in college. I got to charter a fraternity in college, which then gave me my entrepreneurial itch, which then led me to eventually starting my business. But it was because of that moment. And wow. So that's incredible. Full circle, man. I completely forgot about that until uh, this moment, actually. But this, so there are the moments we, we refer, you know, this term moments of madness. You know, so if you had not necessarily your dad, your dad might have done the same thing. You'd pull somebody said, hey, I'm thinking of just ditching that talk and sharing this. Go, what do you do? Are you nuts? Are you mad? But you just followed that intuition, that honoring of the audience at the very least, and maybe yourself or maybe yourself and the audience. It doesn't really matter about those details. But I think those moments of madness, you know, ditch the speech, ditch the this, ditch the that. Ditch, you know, don't. I think there are those intuitions that emerge, those those curiosities, those moments of madness, I think it's our soul saying, uh-uh, this is not what you're meant to do. You know it, <laughs> and I know it. Now, your brain has a different plan. And I commend you for dropping the prepared speech and just going in with that, because my suspicion is this, and of course, this is one of the problems is we may not actually know, like you may not get the feedback. My suspicion is there is a young man or young woman somewhere that's having a tough day. And because of your talk, you've given them permission to cry uncontrollably and to give them hope knowing that they can come through that. I mean, I think that's the beauty when you allow them to see you, you know, they allow, they, they begin to see each other. I'm not here to analyze your talk. That's that I'm, I'm, I'm losing the plot a bit here, but I just want to commend you. I think that's absolutely cool. I, I mean, it was, it was one of those, it, it just, I think it was one of the first times I'd really listened listened to what was present and true in that moment like i don't feel like i'd ever really lived a present life to be honest up in and and i don't or at least what i consider to be presence like living in presence which is just to me allowing whatever's here to be here and following that and and i think at that time i was i was certainly terrified of it but to... There was a lady, I, I love it, Raj, I love the story. And it's so coincidental, you know, going, going back to high schools. Um, there was a lady that came to a workshop I ran years ago. And I don't know how she did it, but let's just say we met at nine o'clock and we kicked off at 9.30. And it, in 30 minutes, she managed to get around to what it appears to be every single person. And there wasn't like tons of people. It was an intimate gathering, maybe 30 people or something. And we were about to spend two days together. And she looked like she was buzzing around. And then when we started, you know, I said, listen, I want to hear your name and, and where you're from and kind of why you're here. And she has her hand up before the last syllable leaves my lips. And she goes, I'll go first. And I went, great. She goes, well, my name is, let's call her Jenny. My name's Jenny. And I'm, I'm like, my, my husband ripped my heart apart. And like, my life is devastated. And, and, and this really well-scripted story of hurt and brokenness. And it was almost too scripted for me. And it was too, yeah, it was just too scripted. And and as she's talking, I'm, I've got this feeling, everyone's nodding. And I'm thinking, they all know the story. Like she's after downloading the story with everyone this morning. And she goes, and he just ripped my heart apart. And my friends can't believe it. My family are just, they just stunned. No one saw it coming. Like no one saw it coming. And I'd never met this one before. And I said, really? She goes, excuse me? I said, really? And you could see the vibration of anger merging through her body. And I just said, really? I said, if you don't mind, 
you strike me as too smart of a human being and too intuitive as a woman to sit here and tell me that you didn't suspect something, that you didn't have an intuition. And at this stage, she was about to explode with anger. She wanted to rip my, at least rip my face off, maybe my head, I don't know. <clears throat> and I said, I'm imagining you're quite angry right now, to which she said, no, I'm not. And I said, well, let's imagine you are just for a moment. Let's just name the anger. Just ask it to step aside temporarily. Really, you didn't know. And she was shaking with anger. And as you could see her letting go of the anger, just temporarily allowing it to, to, to just shift to the left or the right. Head went down. She started to shake. And it felt like 20 minutes. It was probably three, two minutes, whatever. And she lifted her face and there was mascara pouring down her face with her tears. Mm. And she said, I knew it the day I met him. And I knew it the day I walked down the aisle. And I think that is, albeit a dramatic version of facing truth, but I suppose what we need to look at is forget about how she got to that truth. And by the way, it wasn't me. It was her willingness, albeit yeah. I saw something, I saw an opening, her willingness to accept it and to see it for the first time in her life. But the question becomes, at where is the intersection of opportunity to, to jump in and change this story? And she says, well, how, why, do, why did I, you know, I said, where did this story serve you? Let's go back. Why did you ignore it? What were the parts that you ignored in yourself and so on? But I remember that weekend being, and I don't, use, I don't use that word lightly, transformational for her because she came in with a burden and a story that was defining her and she was using it as an excuse not to grow. And she walked away looking at herself and taking a degree of responsibility, not normalizing what he did and how he did it. The behavior was wrong. <clears throat> But knowing that she has the power to both invite that negativity and that sabotage into her life and to free herself from it at the same mm. time. I just share that because it just came up in, in no, my memory. It's powerful. It's and it's such an important, you know, as we kind of wrap this 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 episode, like I think it's so important to anchor back into like that willingness to actually confront what's here. And, and, and I do believe that we have this power. Like I, I've been really connecting more and more to this idea that every shitty thing I called into my life is just a reflection and a mirror to get me ready to call in every amazing thing I want in my life. Like, it's like, we are calling in both and we are creating both and our, and our capacity to be with the truth of that is actually our capacity to, to, to create and be alive. And so, mm -hmm. and I, and I think it's, you know, Philip, I, I, I want. I just want to again thank you for being, dude. Like you are, you are such a refreshing. Um, you're a breath of fresh air for me. Like just in in that, I feel like every conversation I've had with you is 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 so grounded and rooted in what's here, what's now, what's present. Um, no bullshit. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't know if there was a phase of your life where you did bullshit. I'm sure there was, but it's really fun to be in this chapter of your life where there's just, I don't feel a bullshit bone in your body. And it's really, really cool to witness. Um, and I just want to, again, just thank you for, for being who you are as you are. Cause I think that is the gift, like your expression of you authentically is is i would i would say like i know there's a lot of things you do in the world but i think who you are is the gift that 
that I know I get to experience in this moment and everyone who's listened for the last hour has been gotten to experience. And I know many others um, get to get to experience. So I just want to echo that to you because it really is a gift. So thank you. Thank you. um, I got one last question for you and well, okay. One last talk that book's still available. I'm pretty sure for people to buy. Um, Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that you're currently bringing into the world that we can just make like bring bring awareness to for the audience in case they listen to this episode and they're like, I need to reach out to Philip. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm. I just we just talked about off air. I just spent three years with my wife restoring um, a five hundred year old castle, a very modest castle, but a spectacular place with twenty two acres of breathtaking magical woodland that Tolkien from Lord of the Rings, the author, spent quite a few times on and. Um, it, it's just, it's, it's indescribable. And we were called to bring this place back to life as stewards of this place. And that's a place we're going to be running our and hosting our retreats on the West coast of Ireland. So if anybody's interested in coming to Ireland and coming to Europe and walking 5,000 year old roads and sitting around an old castle and having deep, meaningful dialogue, then our doors are officially open. That's the first time I've said that our, our doors are officially open and that's a weird, frightening beautiful thing to be able to say um so officially as of now and we're opening our dates for next year so that would be cool and thank you for giving us that opportunity yeah and is there a, a website or a link for that yeah philipmccurnan.com is probably cool. the easiest way right now to 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 get to that cool brilliant well we'll make sure all those links are available in the show notes um philip i got one last question for you in the midst of everything you're doing everywhere you've been and everywhere you're going how do you stay grounded but more importantly is there one thing that you do consistently that helps you become a more grounded human being? There are two things. And two things that have served me very well if if I am grounded. One is, well, three actually, now that I've just said that. And I'll, I'll go in reverse order. One is I I don't judge whether I'm grounded or not. I let other people do that for me. I think sometimes the most unaware people are the people who tell you how aware they are. So am I grounded? That's up to other people to decide. I'm not sure I'm the best witness of that within myself. So that's number one. Uh, number two is every every insight, every piece of growth, every evolution a client receives coming out of our work or through our work, I gift to them. That's their work. That's theirs. It's not me. Okay. We ask great questions. We work tirelessly. We we work on our craft and everything else. But the um, the ownership of the work it belongs to the clients. They're the heroes. And I think that sounds super simple, but that's not easy to do because my ego wants to own every goddamn cent of growth. So I can go, you see what I've done? And I can try to fill the insecurities inside of me so they own it. And the last thing, and I, I, I share this, or spoke to this very early on in the, in the conversation, is and this is the most magical thing because when i received this opportunity to accept this and to feel this there was resistance and i don't always do it i'm guilty of falling out of the habit of doing it but when i do it it's pure magic and that is the work is is just coming through me i'm just Mm -hmm. a vessel and there are days where i wake up and i try to own the work and it's hard and it's arduous and it doesn't work and it's grinding and there's days where i stand back and i just let it flow through and it's just like the universe is my co-facilitator in life and mm. it's just remarkable and everything seems to just flow 
So there are the three things. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's that's. I feel so good just hearing that. It, it actually it inspires me to want to just connect to again, just letting go and allowing, and the medicine and the and the gift in that, the flow in that. Philip, thank you again for being here. I'm so grateful, and um, it's good to see your face, man. Um, but everybody, Likewise. that's a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your new friend, Philip, and from us, Stay Grounded. We'll chat soon. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Stay Grounded. No matter where you're from or what you're going through, I hope it helps you remember just how incredible you are and have always been. If you're on a path of emotional healing or self-discovery and would like to learn how Liberate can support your journey, head to www.rajana.com forward slash liberate. That is L-I-B-E-R-8 to learn more about our current group programs and one-on-one offerings. I love you guys and I'll see you next week.